Welcome to Awareness to Action, a podcast brought to you by the Northwestern Community Services Board Prevention Department. I'm your host, Casey, a social worker and prevention specialist here in Virginia. Our podcast goal is to promote wellness through conversation, connection, and action. We hope each episode will leave you feeling inspired and motivated to look for ways to get involved in your own community. Today's episode is particularly exciting because it's our first with two guests. Joining me are Eric Benson and Megan Gordon, who both serve the youth and families of Page County, Virginia. As Assistant Superintendent of Instruction, Innovation, and Accountability for Page County Public Schools, Eric has a unique perspective on the role of trauma-informed education. And Megan serves as the Program Director for Page Alliance for Community Action, a substance misuse prevention coalition, giving her years of experience in partnering with schools from a community standpoint. Basically, these two work toward the same goal from complementary approaches, which is what makes this conversation with both of them feel so meaningful. In this episode, we'll touch on trauma-informed education, the importance of community partnerships, and ways that everyone can be involved in the education of young people. We recorded this episode amidst the pandemic, so Megan, Eric, and I chatted over Zoom, which explains some of the extra noises you might hear throughout this episode. All right, Megan and Eric, welcome to the Awareness to Action podcast. I'm so happy to have both of you here. Thank you for having us. Thank you. We're excited to be here. Um, I think it's always good for our listeners to know about who they're hearing from. So why don't you both share a bit about the work you've done in the past and then tell us about the roles you're in now. And Eric, why don't you start? Okay. Uh, Good afternoon, listeners. Uh, My name is Eric Benson. I actually uh, began teaching here in Page County in 2002, so this does make my uh, 19th year working in education. I began as a third grade teacher and moved into a high school administrative role, and now I currently serve Page County as an assistant superintendent of instruction, innovation, and accountability. Good afternoon. My name is Megan Gordon, and I began my um, work with Page County Public Schools in 2009, I believe, as a as an assistant at the elementary school. Um, then I worked my way to the central office. I was the secretary for the superintendent, and I managed state and federal grants, and that kind of brought me to working as a parent representative with our local youth substance misuse prevention coalition, PACA, Page Alliance for Community Action. Uh, There I became the program director in 2015 when we received uh, some drug-free community grants funding. And I have been with PACA as the program director ever since. So basically both of you are picture perfect examples of turning awareness to action and (laughs) letting that guide your path, which I love. Um, So today we're really going to be diving into trauma-informed education and what that means. So there's been a big emphasis on trauma-informed education in the past few years. And before we really get into what that looks like in practice, I'd love for you to tell our listeners what it means for a school or a county to be trauma-informed. 
Okay, I'll go ahead and start. I first off would say that uh, trauma is something that uh, impacts both learning and behavior for our students. And so the goal is always to, or this past year was to create um, trauma-informed resilient schools in effort to assist those children that um, experience quite a bit of trauma. Um, we always are looking for ways to have learning not be such a struggle. And I think once you identify uh, the root of the behavior, uh, so where that trauma is coming from, then our teachers and our educators can adapt their approach to help kids uh, to begin to cope at school. Um, for those that um, are not aware, uh, trauma can come in the form of any uh, sort of toxic stress experiences, and often they can result from uh, poverty, uh, bullying, or addiction. And I believe all three of those factors influence our Page County students. And I, I kind of look at it too, uh, coming from this, the community, the public health side of it, becoming trauma informed can change the understanding of yourself, your loved ones, and those who you work with daily. So it's understanding the impact of stress and um, what it what it has on it on the individuals and in our community at health as a whole. So and it's hoping to and I know Eric's going to talk about this a little bit today too, but it's changing, it's shifting the mindset and to a positive intent. So uh, to, to help um, bring in empathy, compassion, and love uh, in, as a community, you know, to have everybody in the community talking and speaking the same language, uh, you know, that is the hope. And, and we definitely, we started really talking to the school system about it because that's where we, we reach our kids and uh, the largest part of the population we're trying to work with, well, working with the youth, but it's trying to get everybody to come from that same mindset in the whole community. Casey, I think as educators, it's important that um, our listeners realize that not only are we uh, tasked with providing content knowledge um, and making sure that students uh, demonstrate progress academically, but also that we uh, develops children's social and emotional skills as well as they um, face life outside of um, K-12 education. I'm so glad you mentioned that, Eric, because we all know that school doesn't last forever um, and that it really is an opportunity to, to prep young people for the world. So what did it look like for Page County to start incorporating trauma-informed practices into the culture of the schools? So one of the things that we noticed from our teachers um, early on is when we had uh, difficult situations happening at school, the teacher's natural reaction um, was to ask what's wrong with that student. And we began um, working in teams or in our individual buildings, uh, trying to diagnose, you know, um, you know what, what's wrong with that child. And I, I believe as part of becoming a trauma-informed resilient school, we, we shifted that question from what's wrong with that student to um, what has happened or what is happening um, to that student. And when we did that, we really did focus on what we refer to as the three E's. Um, and the three E's refer to as the event, the experience, and the effect. Um, the event being, you know, what was the, uh, the, the single occurrence or what has happened uh, repeatedly over time. Um, for many of our teachers, um, they 
you know, work with students who have various uh, backgrounds or socioeconomic status. And so, and those things affect children in different ways. So um, as children began to respond or uh, things happen differently, our uh, teachers needed to begin to ask themselves, why is that? And it really comes down to the fact that um, children are, uh, have different levels of resilience. Um, so as we thought about the, those uh, um, events that were happening, we then looked at the experiences. Um, you know, it is the experience or the perception of the event uh, by the child that determines whether or not that's traumatic. So there were some certain lessons that we needed our teachers to remember as part of that work. Um, first off, I think we needed to make sure our teachers never assumed that, that something small isn't uh, traumatic. I think that's important. Uh, secondly, never to assume that something awful is also traumatic. Uh, and then third, the child's perception of their event or their experience is not our experience. And as we started to educate our staff, we really needed to keep those three lessons kind of uh, at the forefront. And then the last E, the effect, uh, how that experience influences or has an effect on that event. Um, we as educators feel like our schools are an, an opportune system for prevention um, and early intervention. And it's our uh, responsibility to work across multiple uh, domains to make sure students do have a positive outcome. And so when school professionals uh, see students through a trauma-informed, resilient lens and begin to recognize the impact of trauma, we start to meet the goals that we set out as educators to have. And that is to improve students' ability to learn, their ability to connect with others, and then hopefully develop uh, resilience. Um, Eric, those three E's feel really important to me because, and I'm glad you shared them because they can't really be separated. How can we understand trauma if we're only looking at the event or we're only looking at the effect and we're not connecting the dots. And I also really appreciate what you said about not making assumptions with trauma because it's, you know, we talk about trauma-informed education and I think that can sometimes feel like a solidified, unchanging concept, but really it's so individualized. It requires great care for each person and and how each person has experienced life. And in, in the case of the schools, how each student has experienced life. So I just, I think those, those three years feel important to me. <laughs> and I would add Casey that, you know, as we try to meet students' basic needs on kind of a Maslow's hierarchy um, and provide them, um, in recent years, there's been efforts to make sure students have uh, the proper nutrition for instance, at school. And so our school-based food nutritional services has increased dramatically to make sure that's happened. Um, I think we would, could put social-emotional development right in, in the mix with, with those sorts of things in terms of basic needs. Um, students just no longer come to school to learn and, and school functions in a lot of other different ways than just a place to learn academic or, or content knowledge and skills. And so as we've done that, we need to make sure that um, there were some groundwork for our teachers in terms of the, the three E's and, and those three lessons also to make sure that we were kind of all working from the same page. Yeah, and that perfectly brings me to what I wanted to talk about next, which is Page County's 
10 trauma-informed steps. Uh, you all have 10 steps that guide the work that you're doing, and I'm going to read them for listeners because I think they're really incredible. So the steps are one, focusing on resilience, two, understand trauma as an experience, three, foster connections, four, prioritize social and emotional skill development, five, establish safety, six, promote play and breaks, seven, believe the link between private logic and behavior, eight, partner with families and community, nine, support and invest in staff, and 10, collect and utilize outcome data. Um, so I just wanna focus on a few of those in particular. I would love to do a deep dive into all 10, but <laughs> let's just talk about a couple. Um, and let's start with social emotional learning. So can you define that and give us some examples of that learning in the classroom? Sure, uh, I would define social emotional learning as the process by which we recognize and manage our emotions. And as part of that development, one of the first things we did was kind of look at the research behind why uh, that is important for our students. Why is participating in social emotional uh, programs important? I think if you were to ask a classroom teacher, one of the things that they would say they struggle most with is the lack of time. So anytime you're giving up time for something else, uh, taking time away from the academic content that needs to be delivered, you need to make sure that that time is, is important, that the other use of that time is important. And so as we looked at how do we um, enhance and, and develop students' social emotional skills, we saw some things that are, were direct consequences when that occurred. Uh, the first thing that we made sure our staff was aware of was that students kind of have improved attitudes towards themselves, the school, and their and others. And we, we know that um, sometimes when um, students are disruptive or we have behavior issues at school, sometimes that is the root cause of what's happening. Um, secondly, we saw that there was an enhanced uh, positive social behavior that occurred when social emotional was uh, curriculum was part of uh, school programs. There was reduced uh, conduct problems. So whether that meant misbehavior or aggression or some of the other things that often would take away from learning. So if time was invested for social emotional, then maybe we would get some time back on uh, academically because we wouldn't have the behavior disruptions that are occurring. And then f finally, uh, we saw that um, students improve academic performance, whether it means a test score or grade when uh, social emotional. Um, so after we looked at that research, we made a, a concerted effort to make sure that social emotional programs were part of all three levels. I guess I would say uh, part of the elementary level, middle and high school level. Um, this isn't something that you kind of age out of. Um, and we made sure that there was time set forth in our um, master schedule for, for this sort of work to occur. Um, when social emotional learning becomes part of the curriculum, I would say first and foremost, students start to change their mindset. Uh, they change their mindset from uh, they're a victim of trauma to now they're starting to think about they're a survivor of trauma. And anytime you can change uh, a student's mindset, that's a pretty powerful thing to have happen. Our, as part of our social emotional work, there are really two important uh, cornerstones that uh, we recognize as part of SEL competence. Uh, emotional awareness, the first uh, cornerstone, and then emotional regulation being the second one. Uh, 
Um, emotional awareness is a student's ability to recognize one's emotions and thoughts and their influence on behavior. And then emotional regulation is a little bit different. That's a student's ability to regulate their emotions, thoughts, and behaviors effectively when faced with a different uh, situation. And thinking about um, our teachers and equi equipping them with strategies, uh, we went away from uh, time out and spent more time uh, working on a time in strategy. So if a student had misbehaved, often maybe a teacher may send them to a detention or have them sit out in the hallway where the teacher now has some skills or tools to be able to attack that situation with and respond and, and really get next to that uh, student and try to make a positive difference uh, rather than uh, sending them to a different location. I'm glad you talk about, you know, we, these aren't things that we age out of. I mean, emotional awareness and emotional regulation are necessary always, every day for our entire lives. Um, so kind of related to that concept of aging out, one of these steps is play. And I'm hoping that you can speak to why play is important and how you incorporate play into school for older students. Well, if you when you ask most people to um, think about their experience at school, they probably remember recess or play as part of their elementary experience. And often as students get older and move into middle or high school, that time period often will disappear. Um, I think the, uh, the dilemma is that, that schools often will face is uh, your, your, again, time. You know, uh, do you take away, um, you know, time to work on academic subjects in order to give time to accommodate uh, recess. And so we, again, looked at some research and thought about that investment in time. And for the 2020-21 school year, we decided to bring recess back to the middle school. We feel like that that time giving students uh, regularly scheduled uh, un, and unstructured uh, physical activity breaks in instructional time was more important than just um, hammering away and plowing through some of that content like teachers often like to do. And so um, we have already been able to reap the benefits of that. Um, we have already heard from teachers that uh, students are more attentive when they come back to the learning uh, of the content information. Uh, they're able to perform uh, cognitively just a little bit better. And so again, uh, thinking back to those cornerstones of our SEL programs, play was a way to, or, or recess was a way to promote that emotional regulation, um, an opportunity to, for students to foster connections uh, by giving them an opportunity to engage with peers that they might not have had when uh, maybe the teacher standing at the front of the room delivering the lecture or they're working in small groups on some sort of an activity. Um, I think the uh, another unintended consequence of um, bringing recess or playback uh, to the middle school level is we really have seen an improvement in overall school climate, which has been really something positive. Um, it's allowed students to develop their communication skills, uh, cooperation, sharing, all of those things that you maybe would uh, say historically go along with your elementary years, students have continued to develop. 
And uh, we've seen that uh, through a data point. Uh, I would say if you spoke to one of our middle school administrators, they would say middle school discipline has never been as low as it's ever been. Um, and so we feel like some of that um, is because of the fact that we fought recess back. The last step in your 10 steps that I wanted to talk about was partnering with families um, because I know that it matters. I also know that it's probably more challenging right now than ever before because we are in this pandemic. So um, Paige is doing really incredible work through the Porch Visit Grant, and I'm hoping that one or both of you can explain what the Porch Visit Grant is um, and why it matters. Uh, the, the school system, you know, like I've said before, is just an amazing partner, uh, one of our amazing partners in the community. And uh, they approached us, uh, the nutritional services approached us about partnering to provide, to try to uh, receive funds to provide porch visits to families. And it tied in exactly to what our mission is. And uh, it seemed to fit perfect. You know, we are Obviously, our goal is to reduce substance misuse in the community uh, with our youth. And part of that is getting down to exactly what Eric was talking about, the root cause. And the root causes uh, often tie back to trauma. And um, part of helping to heal and provide resources is, is making connections, uh, having, making, having positive relationships. Um, one positive relationship you know, can make a difference. So the porch visit seemed just, uh, it seemed to fit perfect. So we're partnering with Page County Public Schools Nutrition, Page County Sheriff's Office, Healthy Families of Page County, and um, the Virginia Cooperative Extension to provide meals to families that are identified or families that have called to receive the service. Uh, in addition to the meals that they receive weekly, where uh, we have staff that they're they're having conversations. They're just going and, and doing exactly what it says, having conversations with the family members to see what other resources are needed, um, things that they need. And a lot of things have been, uh, you know, a lot of, of what they're saying that they need. They just, they need connection. They need somebody to talk to. They need tutoring for their tutoring help for their school age kids. Um, they need additional food additional household goods that they just can't, you know, make ends meet. We're helping them uh, apply for services that they may know they may not have known they qualified for or they may not know how to how to get the services. So we're trying to help them assist with getting services through social services. Uh, some of them need access to Wi-Fi, help with utilities. So the porch visits, it's a way for us to provide uh, food for the families and then to provide the relationships to make the connections and then hopefully provide the resources that that can help them uh, and you know it was something that would have been exciting without COVID-19 without the pandemic and it would have been needed and something that we really wanted to do but but considering and in light of kind of just how um, the pandemic has affected and impacted many of our families it is something that was is definitely needed uh, in the community right now. Makes me think of the phrase, it takes a village, which is such a cliche, but cliches are cliches for good reason. And um, both of you have spoken so beautifully to the interconnectedness of schools and staff, student families and the community. Um, and it sounds like that's really being prioritized in Page County. 
Um, so I want to ask you in a similar vein about how different individuals in the community can build partnerships with schools to create better educational opportunities for students. Um, so first, let me ask about how parents and family members of students can best offer support and remain engaged with their students' education and the broader school environment. I think that's a pretty simple answer, believe it or not, Casey. I think it starts with having a conversation with their child every single day. Um, there's a lot that can be learned by um, asking students when they come home every day, how, how was school today? Um, by talking to children and, and about their day and maybe possibly some of the interests or things that happened, um, that's a pretty simple step for folks to go through. If you have an opportunity or time each evening or, or at some point throughout the day to help a child complete uh, their school work or assignments, uh, maybe possibly read together, you start to also learn a little bit more. Um, if you can um, move that forward to saying school's important, you need to, um, our parents and our families need to communicate that um, there are high, that they have high expectations, high educational expectations for children. And um, I think that's kind of maybe three initial things. Um, we are always looking for people to volunteer and assist us in our schools, um, come out and attend school events. Um, and, and I think that just kind of plays out a little bit differently for each individual. Sometimes that's harder for parents to get to, um, but I think whether or not you have a child in the school system or you are a parent of a student in the school system, it all starts with a conversation. Yeah, I agree. Um, I, I think just taking the time to have the conversations and even if you're not, if you don't have a kid in the school system, uh, maybe you have nieces or nephews or, uh, you know, grandkids or um, ask them, see how you can get involved, talk to them about their day, talk to them about the importance of education and um, and then just go and get involved. I know you had talked about communities and um, how how the broader community can get involved. And uh, there's a lot of ways that uh, community members, business members, um, retired, you know, Eric mentioned about volunteering, retired members of the community, can, a local church members can be involved, um, be involved in education and help to provide the, the students in Page County with the resources that they need. Casey, I, I, I failed to mention one final step, and I think this really goes along with the idea of creating trauma-informed, resilient schools, and that is we needed to be able to begin to educate our parents about trauma. And I think there were um, five things that I'd like to mention here today that we said to our parents or have said to our parents that I think are really important and need to be repeated here today. Um, the first step or the first thing we said is please be understanding. Uh, trauma is like no other experience for these students in their life. Uh, the second thing we said to them was to be patient. Uh, trauma can destroy a child's sense of safety and security. So patience is gonna be near, uh, very important. To be nurturing, uh, to encourage parents to spend time interacting in a meaningful way each and every day with their children. Um, the fourth step to be simple 
Um, often parents feel like they need to do something complex to help or make their child's lives better. Uh, but can it be simple things and, and you know, start by doing, doing one or two things each and every day. And then the last step is just to be normal. Um, you know, tell parents to reassure them that their child's reactions are normal uh, following a, a traumatic experience. Often um, parents may want to go out and find a professional counselor or some sort of other service immediately when these things are happening. And um, we often want to remind our parents just to, to be calm and be normal, that th these are everyday uh, things that are happening for everyone. I want to add on to Casey. Eric Mamie helped me remember to make sure to remind parents and community members in general to take care of yourself, that we can't take care of anybody else until we've taken care of ourselves. Um, and to just make a change, you know, everybody wants to, hopefully everybody wants to, to change the world, but you can do that by changing your little piece of it. So take small steps and, and make sure you really take care of yourself. You both just shared so many great uh, little nuggets. Uh, the two that I really want to highlight, it, Megan, is your um, what you shared about this being for everyone. Involvement in the schools, I think it's really easy to say, oh, well, I don't have a child in the school, so that's, that's not for me to get involved with. But it really is on all of us to be investing in our young people. Um, so I love that you shared that. And Eric, I love what you said about keeping it simple. We're not I think we really stop ourselves sometimes from getting engaged when we feel like we need to have all the answers or we need to know exactly how to do the perfect thing when really just showing up and, and wanting to get engaged is usually enough. We're coming to the end of our time and we ask one question of all of our guests. And as I said earlier, I think both of you have modeled this process in your individual careers. And I think it's really clear that Page County is going through this process in the context of trauma-informed care. So what does the process of awareness to action mean to you? And Megan, I'll put you on the spot and have you go first. I just think it means, you know, making sure we continue to, to educate and move forward. Um, that everybody knows about the importance of trauma-informed and that we move to be um, trauma-supportive, that we continue to build the skills uh, that we need. We continue to help build the skills in the community, that we move our community from, from not only being trauma-informed, but being a trauma-supportive community and where we're leading, you know, our mindset's positive. We're, we're leading with empathy and love and, and compassion. Casey, for me, I really tried to focus on the two words, awareness and action. Um, and so when I think about the word awareness, I think about developing an understanding of childhood trauma and how trauma can adversely influence learning and behavior. And then when I think about the word action, I think about then equipping individuals with specific tools to create trauma-informed resilient environments. Um, I think it's important that our listeners know that all students need a safe and supportive schools um, that can respond to the effects of trauma and toxic stress in order for uh, learning to happen. Well, thank you both for uh, sharing what that process means to you and for being here today. 
Uh, it just gives me great hope to think about trauma-informed care being incorporated into education and what that will, how that will transform our world. I really, it brings me great hope and I'm grateful for people like you who are doing the work. So thank you for the work you do. Thanks for being on the podcast. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in. If you're interested in learning more about trauma-informed education, we've linked some information and resources in the episode description. And make sure you subscribe to Awareness to Action so you can be the first to hear from the incredible guests we're going to have on the show this month.